This is the No Stroke Podcast with your co-hosts, David Dancero and Michael Garrow, helping you to support and thrive in life after stroke. Their podcast is designed for educational and community support purposes only and should not replace medical treatment and guidance of your own health professional team. Welcome to season four, episode two of the No Stroke Podcast. My name is Dave Dancero. I'm here with my co-host, Michael Garrow. How are you, Mike? We're doing well. Um, happy to be back. Uh, I, you know, we, we got the season and episode right this time. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're really moving along. Podcasting. Had to make sure you got that in, right? You didn't correct me. So we had, for those who might not have uh, helped us kick off season four, we had a great guest, Jordan Sims Pierce from Constant Therapy, speech um, therapist doing great things with their team and i in my excitement introduced her as kicking off season three we're actually in season four we're moving spur along 20 i'm like how many total episodes i'll put that one right on you so 27 27 you're you're spot on absolutely good you pass i know my math sometimes (laughs) so how have you Uh, been <laughs> I've been good. Yeah. Um, just back from Charleston, family, friends, wedding down there. Um, unfortunately, in the midst of all the travel, caught COVID. So I was dealing with COVID for the past week or so. Um, I could fully say I'm, I think I'm over the hump. It's, I'm past the 10 days. I feel okay. good. I feel, I've, you know, it was two days that really kicked my butt. And then since I, I, I got loads of sleep in last weekend and, feeling like a normal self finally yeah and i have to say when we touched base uh monday when you checked in i didn't think we were going to be recording this week you didn't sound you didn't sound i know now you're doing the professional podcast voice with the mic right up under your chin there um and this is a new look for you so um but you you must have rallied with the green tea and took some of the you, you, you sound like a hundred percent plus better than you did Monday. Just, just saying whatever you're doing is working. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all natural remedies, you know, um, tea and then maybe a, a beer in the evening. And that, that <laughs> okay. just seems to be a perfect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we have a great guest coming on, Mike. I'm glad you're better. First of all, let's, um, I, I definitely feel like there's a couple of things I want to touch on in the news quickly. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, yep. This is hot off the press from uh, a text I actually got from my mom today. Um, so I think it was in the latest issue of Brain Health. Yeah, is Brain it, and Life had, had her Brain on the cover. Life. Yep. Yeah, so Lindsey Vaughn, um, a professional and Olympic skier for the US. She, she's around my age, I, I want to say, probably early 30s. Uh, mm-hmm. And her mother had a stroke as well uh, ap- after birth. So I haven't dove into the article just yet. But you know, certainly some parallels there. Um, you know, I, I wasn't quite an Olympic athlete. But <laughs> I could definitely say that, you know, my perseverance and everything I put into athletics was you know, driven through what I saw, you know, my mom doing it from her rehab and kind of the fight and determination she had. So, um, yeah, you know, we aim big here on the North Stroke podcast and 
We're going to try to get Lindsay on as a guest here. And she's probably not needing to be in the gym as frequently as she used to with all her rehab and all her recovery and her and her, you know, intense training schedule. So we'd love to have a chance to talk to her about that. And, you know, your mom. uh, Thank you, Mrs. Garrow, because that is you can call her Donna. 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 Okay. Well, she never told me I could call her Donna directly. (laughs) Well, so anyway, uh, you know, she um, she she hot off the press because that just I I just picked that issue up yesterday. I had a chance to read it at lunch. And it's exactly, Mike, um, what you were describing. I immediately thought of you in those parallels that you described and and their determination. And she mentions Lindsay mentions um, channeling that energy into her own training and in her toughest times thought about what her mom was going through. So I know you'll enjoy that article. And I, I encourage folks, we, we mentioned brain and life on, on previous episodes as a resource and uh, she happens to be on the cover of this, this month. So pick it up or you can get the digital version right from there, right from there. So I may, we'll put in the show notes again too, because it was a really good article. Sure. Um, I have have, a, yeah, yeah. I have a quick Let's one see. that came to my, you know, where um, uh, this article came, you know, was, it popped up on my feed because I, I also track Otago in terms of the Otago balance and fall prevention program for the work, some of the work I'm doing on that program. Um, but the Otago Daily Times reported on a stroke victims asked about care experience, and it just came through last week. It's the first time the country has done actually a uh, observation or collected data on stroke uh, survivors experiences. And, and there were a lot of parallels. We talked early on about, uh, um, the population of, of, um, Ireland and New Zealand. I know this, and I don't just have this at the top of my head. I do a lot of research for very this similar. show. Very similar. It's very similar. Yeah. And in fact, they mentioned the rate of stroke is very similar. I think New Zealand experienced a 9,000 last year or the year before when we reported, uh, uh, Ireland's around 10,000. Two things really came to light and it kind of transitions into our guests. Um, One was, um, one really surprised me was they're forecasting a 40% increase in stroke rates in the next 10 years. So I don't know if that, like, I want to dive deeper and see some of that because of the pandemic and delayed care where that, that seems to be to me a big, big jump. And the second part was, um, while they've done a better job on that early triage and in, in, um, getting folks in, it's on the education and the care following that they reported the worst, um, the biggest need for improvement. And we're kind of, I'm going to, I'll leave it at that. I'll put it in the show notes, but um, really um, interesting information that kind of um, just, just came out last week from the first time that they, um, they sampled their population and asked them specifically about the survivor experience. So um, let's, um, I think you're the best one to introduce our today's guest. Cause it does, you know, it's, I'm excited to, to kind of dive into this conversation and uh, um, please um, I'll let you do the honors here. And just before that, you know, if, if anyone is listening from New Zealand and, is interested in flying David and I out New Zealand to do an in-person mm-hmm. podcast to talk around some of these stats. We'll um, we'll happily take that invitation in the summer season. Yeah. For, so, yeah, and I wouldn't mind if it was Australia either. We could maybe do do both. So yeah, this week you know it's going to be a little different than than most uh, episodes where the expert who we have on today is uh, Dan Kendall. He's a what we have termed the patient. Um, 
And he he's also kicking off um, a, another network called uh, the Health Unmuted series. So this is a mini series kind of focused on certain diseases, certain chronic conditions that is really a, a way in a, a totally different approach to care and for accessing information, both for the caregiver and the patient. So we'll dive into the conversation. You know, Dan is obviously an excellent podcaster, so it'll probably be the best audio that you've had on a podcast with us. <laughs> um, you know, we, we dive into a couple different areas, uh, you know, starting with his background, really the why that brought him into what we're, what he's doing today. Uh, and we'll touch on, you know, some of the exciting work that we have planned with Dan and, and the network here in the next few months. If you do have questions for Dan, you know, we, we've listed his contact info in the show notes. Um, he's open to conversations, whether it's from patients, clinical folks, um, really anyone who's involved in, in supporting, you know, the, this volume of podcasting. So get in touch um, and we will be back soon with another episode of No Stroke. Yeah, this was a, this was a, this was a gem. So enjoy this episode, folks. Hello and welcome to the No Stroke podcast. It's our pleasure to introduce Dan Kendall. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Morning, Dan. Morning. So we've, for us. <laughs> I've, I've heard a couple times, um, nicknames go out for you dan um the grandfather of digital health podcasting you know the the og or <laughs> the first one to really kind of grasp the horns of, of podcasting and, and take it and run so you know we're, we're delighted to have this chat with you today um for our listeners um this will be a little different than most um you know we're going to be focusing kind of on the theme of podcasting obviously you, you guys have been loyal listeners over the last year or so. Um, and we really want to explain, as we highlighted in one of our past episodes, kind of the direction that we're trying to take the podcast um, and really just this form of podcasting and kind of what it means, where we see it going. Um, and Dan's that guy to let us kind of have a look behind the curtain. So um, for our listeners, Dan, can you just give a brief kind of introduction? You know, who's Dan sure. Kendall, where are you now? And a little bit on on um, mission-based media. Sure. So I'm Dan Kendall. Uh, I am an international guest for you coming here from Kent, England, which is southeast of London. I like to say it's the county just above France. It sounds a bit more European that way. But southeast England is where I live now. Been here for 19 years, but I'm originally from Virginia. And uh, I've maintained my strong American accent for all these years here. So happy to continue that. Uh, I studied engineering at Virginia Tech. I got into healthcare right after university. Actually, I got into technology, I should say, right after university and got into healthcare shortly after that and have spent nearly 30 years in uh, working in healthcare to innovate bring new products to market working very working between very clever clinicians uh, nurses doctors researchers that can develop new uh, or deliver great care um, and also working with really smart engineers uh, developers uh, scientists that can actually develop new solutions based on uh, a well-presented problem uh, with uh, the different variables identified and that's when I bring my engineering experience to it to try to define the variables and the problem and then let those people do their best work and then try to translate 
translate that into the market through regulatory requirements, commercial pathways, reimbursement strategies, uh, user experiences, and trying to get people to use it, whether they're clinicians or end users, patients, consumers um, that need to be able to use these products. So that's been my, where my career has been. Uh, I started podcasting because nobody was doing one that I wanted to listen to in the space that I was working in, which was uh, called digital health. Um, I've been involved with technology before it was called digital health, e-health, health IT, uh, m-health, all these different things. And uh, when I realized that nobody was able to create a, a podcast that I was uh, interested in listening to uh, because nobody was talking about this new area of medicine, I thought, well, actually, I can create this. I can I can solve for the variables here and, and bring something to market. So I don't know that I'm necessarily the OG in terms of uh, ever doing it, but I certainly didn't want to do podcasting in healthcare the way that it, I, I had seen it be done up until 2016. And I've just been extraordinarily fortunate where I walked through that door uh, in 2016 to to create a hobby of of podcasting. Within two years, that became a business. A year after that, in 2019, I formed Mission Based Media, and um, the rest is history. That's uh, being written. Very cool. And like like most, I feel like you know we've we've well when I say most, most in the healthcare industry, you chose healthcare, which is a very difficult field, right? You know and you know, you've been an innovator leading products in the space and now, you know, in this media space, um, you know, what what really led you down to focus your attention in healthcare? Um, you know, I, I actually wasn't very interested in healthcare in my very early, you know, my early 20s. Uh, I, I actually thought it was something I wanted to avoid. I didn't like the idea of being around people whose uh, um, bodies weren't, weren't well. It, it, it was a little bit it frightened me a little bit in my early 20s. When I began to work through the charities I was involved with people with people who are really mission driven and and purposeful about their work, I was so attracted to um, the the spirit about and the capacity of what they were doing as professionals. And I thought, I want to be a part of that. I, I mean, they're making change for people's brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. And the, the, the impact of that, what, what I sort of get a little philosophical about is the impact of that when you when you guys help a person get better, uh, an individual, I I get a little philosophical thinking about all the impact that that has in their relationships with their partners, with their children, with their parents, and the the ongoing impact that's immeasurable. Yes, you can measure somebody's uh, mobility and their gait, and you can do all sorts of things in healthcare, but the impact on society, on families, on relationships, um, and the opportunity to get people to a place where they're able to contribute in a way that they are living their best life is just really something we can't measure. And I, I was really inspired to be a part of that and use the skills that I have um, to support people in the industry in whatever way possible. Yeah. And I, and I know we spoke, you know, for when, when we first got connected, um, Dan, kind of on our why and our mission and really one, I love the name mission-based media because I feel like it, you know, you're behind it mission and it's, it, it really drives that meaning um, of, of what you're in it for, um, you know, but for David and I, you know, we both have, and our listeners know um, a personal connection to stroke. Right. And that's why we're focused on stroke. And that's why we continue to do what we do, because we have that drive. Um, and I know when we first connected, you spoke that um, one of your children was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So what is what does that mean? Like holding on to that why in you. Right. Like that, that probably is a huge driver for you each day. Version to being around healthcare uh, facilities. Uh, 
you know, I, I really didn't have a lot of life experience about all the different things that can impact our health. And, and health really is something that, that many of us take for granted. And it really is something that, you know, when you lose it, you, you lose a lot. Um, and through my career, I've really worked with professionals and, and organizations trying to bring new products to market and improve healthcare that way. I haven't had a lot of um, professional experience working directly with the benefactories of those services. Um, but in my personal life, yeah, I've, I've had people that I love and care about affected by Alzheimer's, colon cancer, breast cancer, skin cancer. You just can't live and have any sort of relationship with the outside world and not see how these things affect people. And, you know, being empathetic, being understanding, being supportive, because everybody's carrying something is really uh, an important thing um, that I think we all need to embody. But when, it, when you bring a condition into your home, when it affects your body, when it affects someone that you're really close to, like a child, um, it, it's a whole new level of reality. I had worked with a diabetes company and done, done some great work bringing products to market that, that support people with diabetes. But even though I had done that work for about four years, I didn't understand what that condition was really like until my daughter received her diagnosis in 2019. And um, I talk all the time about how great the care team has been. I talk about it to their faces and I talk behind their backs about how wonderful the professionals are. They are so supportive of my daughter and her extended you know, caregivers, carers, uh, my, myself and my ex-wife included. But what they're able to give you is just a small fraction of what you really need as a person who's responsible for that condition full time. And if it had happened to me, if I'd received a diagnosis, I know what I would do. I'd go quiet and reserved, do a lot of analysis before I even ventured out to some of my closest family or friends to say, hey, you know, I've got this and what do you know? But with it, when it happened to my daughter, within hours, probably, the, the, you know, certainly the same afternoon she was diagnosed in the morning by afternoon, I'm sure I was putting up flares to friends and family saying, I don't know what this is going to mean and I need help. Who do you know? And I did not know anybody in my immediate circle who had type 1 diabetes, but I knew people who knew people. And um, I was so touched by the community that reached out to me and strangers to me, over a dozen, I lost count at 12, um, uh, over a dozen people spent time with me, a stranger to them, explaining what their experience had been like. And that was so impactful. So even though we had a wonderful care team, we were able to get diagnosed and we were able to get in care within hours of that diagnosis, within minutes, really. Um, the reality was outside of that environment, outside of that healthcare environment is where we spend most of our lives. And that's where people were really helping me. And that's what led to the sort of epiphany that actually we need to bottle these conversations or create podcasts around some of these conversations so that other people can benefit from the dozen or so people that shared their time with me. And now, years into my journey, I've been fortunate on many occasions to be the one getting that call to say, hey, my friend's daughter's been diagnosed. Can you speak with them about, you know, they're in the same, one of the greatest quotes that I heard was, uh, they said, they were in this. They were the same way that you were. They were. They were. The, they were as lost as you were um, when you received your diagnosis for your daughter. And and you do feel lost. And being able to support people by creating podcasts that can support them is really key. And that's led to what we're doing with Health Unmuted, which is part of the business I run, Mission Based Media. Yeah, and that was. Uh, there's nothing more powerful than an, an empowered uh, parent, right? That that to 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 see and and to see what sort of was missing in, in the, the, the caregiver's journey and as well as um, seeing how 
that community stepped up to you. It can you could tell that that made that made an impact. That there were strangers coming up to you and offering to share their insights because they they probably work with uh, digital health today. Before, as this was ongoing, as this new diagnosis with your daughter, or what was the timeline between yeah. that and in transitioning into that's, the work you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So my daughter was diagnosed. One, of, I have two daughters. One of my daughters was diagnosed in 2019, and I'd been podcasting since 2016. Started doing it full time in 2018, but I've been a podcast listener since the early days, since my 80 gigabyte uh, iPod that I got with the black and white screen and the rotor dial. Remember those? Um, so I'd been listening to them for a long time uh, and doing a lot of international traveling, consuming a lot of podcasts, which gave me the idea of actually, I bet I can do this. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, um, when I called him up uh, and said, "Hey, how hard is it to start a podcast?" He and I had, had a radio show in college, which was my on only audio experience. And uh, he and I did the show together and he went on to become an audio engineer in Nashville. And I called him up and said, Hey, how hard, is, how hard is it to start a podcast? He said, Oh, it's easy. And uh, so he lied and uh, <laughs> said, it's easy. You guys know how hard it is to do. Actually creating an MP3 file is not a problem. Getting a podcast heard is the real challenge, right? And it's like anything with innovation, like making it is, is part of the challenge, but actually getting it used and, and seen and accepted and used consistently is the big challenge. So uh, I was fortunate that I was able to go through that experience and uh, in 2016, 17, 18, and have that, that uh, podcasting experience and be doing it full time. And then it was 2019 when my daughter was diagnosed. I also formed the business mission-based media at that point. Um, and that's when I started to realize the opportunity to create uh, what is now being called, uh, uh, this, this branded as Health Unmuted. It's an audio library of podcast miniseries that are really designed to share the, the, uh, the human aspects of the first steps with a condition. So we have over 50 conditions identified that are on our short list of, of things. We have a shorter list that's about 10 that we're working on in some uh, capacity at any given time. We just released the Alzheimer's podcast, which is only the second uh, series and really the first in some respects in that our uh, first one that we did last year was really a pilot to sort of test the hypothesis. If we create a mini series around our condition, will people find it consistently and will the audience continue to grow over time? And um, a lot of people in healthcare have a lot of resistance to change, a lot of antibodies to protect against that infection of innovation. Um, and, and I know that, and I've worked in this industry for a long time. It took me a long time to realize that we just need to start building it for people to realize that this is a journey that they should go on. So we did that pilot last year uh, in, in collaboration with the COPD Foundation there in the States. Uh, that's been a wonderful collaboration and a wonderful success in creating that, that podcast initially. And then we were able to work with an organization called Altoida, uh, which is doing some diagnostic testing using AI and smartphones. Um, and they supported us creating the Alzheimer's podcast. We also next month have the Parkinson's podcast. So this is picking up momentum. And uh, um, uh, we're going to be doing more and more of these things working with collaborators because once the, the industry begins to see the impact and hear the impact of what the what podcasting could do. Um, I believe we're going to have a, a lot of great opportunities to make an impact with uh, patient communities and professionals. Yeah, I think, you know, and I'd love to dive more into this, the health unmuted because I think it's such a unique listening experience that you've created, right? It's different than any other healthcare related podcast that I've listened to so far. Um, it's more of like a 
crime show <laughs> type thing, you know, like the curation of it, you know, yeah. like how you bring someone on a, on a story. You're not just spilling out facts and losing interest right away. Like you captivate the audience, you bring them on this journey with you. Um, and for our listeners, it's not Dan actually behind the voice. You, you, like, and maybe Dan, I'll let you speak to kind of the curation of this. But um, you know, I, I listened to the Alzheimer's one. I've listened to the COPD one in, in bits and pieces as well. Um, and it just it it really kind of puts you in your seat, and you sit there, and you you know, you're really in you're in it. You're not kind of that outside lens trying to understand some of the scientific jargon that maybe a you know a neurologist or an expert's on there talking to i think you kind of do a great job of bringing it down to that level so i know you know we'll talk to some of the work that we might be able to do on this kind of similar style within stroke um but for our listeners can you kind of bring them through maybe your style and the like how you curate these podcasts specifically to a mini series right because a mini series maybe it's the first time someone's hearing this term so can right. you just give a bit of a, a background and kind of how, how you're sure making- sure happy to do that so you remember i described earlier that i've always worked between really clever groups of people really talented healthcare professionals that are doing great work and might be encountering problems some problems they might not realize that they have uh, because that's just the way it's always worked and very clever people who are able to design solutions when the problem is defined and the variables are given um, and that's really what i've been able to do with health unmuted um i i am so pleased at the the, the quality that's been created but i can't really take credit for it it's just like the products that i had a hand in designing i i can't really claim my much credit. I just define the problem really well and uh, define the variables and then get out of the way to let the people who are really good at that, um, that creating those solutions, and in this case, creating stories, do their best work and try to remove friction and find ways to, to bring things to market. So I did it with medical devices. I did it with uh, digital uh, health solutions. And now I, I'm able to do it uh, working with uh, a variety of, of really talented people and people in the healthcare space, yourselves included. You know, I look forward to working with you on the Stroke podcast that we have planned for later this year. Um, so really, what, as I said, we sort of define the problem. What we want to do is we want to stay human-centered, evidence-based, and high quality. Um, when people hear podcasts, they often think about things like we're doing. And I love what we're doing right now, these conversations where people are able to talk about their work and, and get to know each other. And it really is a way to uh, introduce ideas and cultivate ideas and relationships in a one-to-many any format. So I'm grateful for you guys having me here. When it comes to patient education, what I've, what I've articulated to my team is really this is a product. This is a product we're making and we need to understand how we can bring a person on their journey. We need to understand where they are. They probably just received a diagnosis. They're probably scared, confused, a little overwhelmed, anxious, not sure how to talk about it with their partner, not talk, and sure how to talk about it with their adult children or their young children or their employer, uh, not sure what this means for their college education or their, their uh, their own education. In the case of my daughter, she was had to go back to school with her uh, diagnosis days after having uh, received it and all the peripheral equipment and requirements of, of managing that condition 24 um, seven. So really what we're trying to do is, is create short form podcasts. We don't go over 22 minutes. Um, we keep things engaging. We use music, we use sound effects. We use the, the voices of people who have experienced this condition either as a patient or as a caregiver. And then we also supplement that 
with additional medical insights and information from the people who are properly trained and credentialed and qualified to be able to have those conversations. It is not, it is not medical advice. We are not giving anybody medical advice, but we are giving people the, the basis of knowledge around what neurotransmitters are or what the definition of chronic pulmonary, uh, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder uh, disease is um, and able to give that insight around the basis about what it is, what are the symptoms, how is it diagnosed, what are the tests, you know, what's a spirometry test, what does that even mean, and who are the therapists that are involved in the care, who am I going to meet along the way, what should I be asking uh, the, the doctors that I may have forgotten to ask when I was in that clinical environment, in the clin clinical situation, what are the other resources that are available? We're not trying to answer every question that someone has. There are other podcasts that are out there that do a great job of doing that. They have hundreds of episodes around various conditions, you know, like what you guys are doing around stroke. And we want to steer people to that. But we realized, like I did when my daughter was diagnosed and I was in the podcast space and I looked for podcasts, the two types of podcasts I found were ones by like Stacey Sims. I'll give a shout out to her. She's a wonderful lady, mission driven, son was diagnosed with diabetes and that put her on a new path using her broadcast skills to create a fantastic podcast. But when, when my daughter was diagnosed, she was hundreds of podcasts into her journey and I was not ready to hear about somebody climbing Kilimanjaro with type one diabetes. Didn't, it wasn't relevant to me. My daughter was still in the hospital. I needed to get her four miles home, <laughs> not miles up into the air. Um, and the other type of podcast was, you know, done, done by like the American Diabetes Association, doing great work, fantastic work, really grateful. But again, I don't need to hear about a clinical study that was presented at their last annual conference. Doesn't help me get my child home and on our uh, path to our new reality. So I thought, well, let's create this um, in ways in short form that we can send people uh, to the information, also provide resources to the family members or the colleagues of uh, and friends of people who are diagnosed with these things and help them on their path. Now, I'll just I'll just add uh, to Mike's comments there, Dan. That uh, listened to the COPD and the Alzheimer's one last night, and really, really well done uh, from the music to the to the interpretation. I, I hope I get your uh, one of the voices of at least the Alzheimer's one. Is it Mackenzie, Michaela, Michaela, uh, uh, Michaela? Wonderful talent. Michaela. She's amazing. Very, yeah, really well. It, it, you know, when when you you have the clinician uh, giving an explanation. And maybe it is in clinical terms. She brings it down to layperson's ease, where she just, just, just flowed perfectly. And the additional um, resource you put at after each episode from the professional associations for further, you know, to take a deeper dive, and also the perspective on the the writings. Uh, there was, I know, in the Alzheimer's episode, for example, you listed the you know, uh, individuals that have caregivers or individuals living with Alzheimer's now books that they have written. So really well done. I'm very excited to bring that lens to, to Mike and I, Mike and, my, and our uh, mission, uh, around stroke. So, um, just I'm excited uh, to it. Thank, thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, I mean, uh, I had a high expectation, um, for what this was going to, to, to sound like and what the, the power of that would be to, to deliver. Um, and I really feel like the team has, has way over delivered on my already high expectations. And, and Mike, you mentioned the, the name of the business mission-based media. I named that business, I named the business that it very intentionally to work as a magnet. Um, and just like a magnet has two sides, um, I find that it is a wonderful name to attract the sort of people. Many of the people that are on the team have said, hey, when I saw a job posting and it was from a company, Mission Based Media, I had to click to find out what that was about. 
that's wonderful to have that sort of draw towards even just talking about mission-based as a, as a company philosophy. But then it also really repels the people who I don't want to work with. I'm, I'm too long in my career and I've dealt with too many people that I'd rather not work with again, uh, that I just don't, don't want to uh, go down the profit motive or, or anything that could be anywhere exploitative or, or not contributing to the advancement of society. And what I really love about what we're all doing in health is that healthcare might be a vertical, but health is a horizontal. Health impacts your education, it impacts your transportation decisions, where we live, what we eat, how we move, who we have relationships with, where we work, uh, where we live, how we power our communities, how we elect officials. Health is a horizontal that cuts across every aspect of our lives. And we, and we really don't really think about it until we start to lose it and uh, or someone we care about has, has lost an aspect of their health. And that's where you know, I just feel really privileged to be on this journey and, um, and grateful for all the people that I've been able to meet like yourselves along the way. Thank you for those kind of words, Dan. I, I think we, uh, we have another group of podcasters to thank for the connection. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Eugene and Jim, who run Digital Health, or Shout at Digital Health, and they're, they're in your podcast network as well. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's something special. Um, and I think really what, what the curation, it's like that trusted source, right, of information, right? And I think that's what's unique about what you're building and why we really wanted to be a part of the network as well, right? Because there's so many things out there. There's so many Google searches you could do and, and be terrified when you're in that situation. Um, and we, we always ask our question around kind of what would, and we'll ask you a similar question at the end around a, a magic wand, like how would you redesign the, the stroke care pathway? And it's often said that it's some sort of guide or tool, right? When, you know, after that diagnosis, when you're leaving the hospital, when there's so many questions to be answered, what's that next step and how do I get there? Um, and I think what we're building here could be that, right? Um, my question to you, and I think it kind of goes to some of the framework of how you bring in partners to, to kind of curate and deliver some of these shows, it's when we talk about barriers in healthcare, the often, often the biggest barrier is getting it to the consumer's hand, getting a patient's hand. So how are you getting around that barrier? Um, and what's your kind of strategy to get these two patients? Right. Okay. So uh, great question. Um, lots, lots of things that we can talk about there. So first of all, uh, like many things in healthcare, the person who benefits um, might not be making that decision for themselves initially. They may not be made aware of it, uh, except through a healthcare professional's recommendation. When my daughter was diagnosed, they gave us a bag full of information, equipment, books, uh, recommendations of uh, charities and things like that. And of course, I then looked for podcasts and I went back to them and said, hey, where did you, how did you decide what to put in that? bag of materials, the teddy bear, the referral to JDRF, all these different things. And they said, oh, well, we just came up with that on our own. I said, oh, so there's not like a official hospital uh, package that you give? And they said, no, just our own experience that we just decided this is what our patients need. And I said, well, great. What podcast can I listen to? And they looked at me with a blank face. They said, 
we don't know any podcasts. And I said, oh, geez, well, that's an opportunity. What If there was a podcast, would you recommend it to people? And they said, hell yeah. So that sort of led me to realize, well, I need to engage the medical professionals in the creation of this and the awareness of this. So part of what we're doing is we're working with professional organizations. I mentioned the American Association. Uh, I think I mentioned it. The American uh, Orthopedic Association, which is, excuse me, the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons, which is one of our clients. We're working with them to, to try to get podcast information out to their professionals. We're working with the American Pharmacists Association as a client to produce their podcast and working with them to help them be aware of information that's available for uh, their members as pharmacists or orthopedic surgeons, as it may be, but also how to make that available for their patients. Um, we created Health Podcast Network, which you guys are a part of. Um, we created that initially to try to curate high-quality content that wasn't being surfaced by Apple. And and I guess in one way <laughs> that I'm sort of a, a an old dog in this uh, area of podcasting is when I started podcasting, Apple was really the only game in town. Google had Google Play, not Google Podcasts. Spotify was only doing music. Um, and Amazon Music was not even a thing. So app, it was Apple and a bunch of other smaller apps that you could get if you were some sort of niche po- power podcast listener. Um, so Health Podcast Network was a way to begin curating that health professionals really found value in the content there. And they began to say to me, hey, this is really great to see things there and to find things and to hear voices that I wouldn't have ever heard of. I was listening to one podcast a week. Now I'm listening to five or 10 on my commute and on coffee breaks while I'm exercising or cooking or shopping, whatever. That's great. And then they started to ask me, what podcast can you suggest for our listeners, uh, for for our patients rather? And I thought, that's the same thing I asked my healthcare team. And I thought the doctors and nurses and therapists that are taking care of patients need to be aware of these things so they can be able to say, hey, here's a bag of stuff for your new condition. And here's what you're going to need to do for the next six weeks. And here's some stuff you can listen to on your drive home. So some of the the, the tactics, you know, press releases, uh, we're doing TikTok videos. We have some of those coming out this week. Uh, we're, we're converting some of the podcasts, some of the ones you've heard into TikTok videos, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels. We're doing organic content. We're doing paid promotion. Uh, we're working to get this as a partner with um, uh, uh, providers. So we want to license this content. Um, we're still working out the, the model for how that's going to work exactly. But having healthcare providers embed this on their website or at least link to it so that they can help their medical professionals be more efficient with helping their patients understand conditions better by giving them another tool that they don't have to read. Um, so, so trying to remove some of the friction in the whole process so people can uh, know about it, which in- involves the professionals, be told about it, which involves the, the, the patients and the caregivers, and then have an easy, uh, frictionless way of accessing it through the places where they already spend time, social media, their smartphones, the internet, uh, QR codes, being able to distribute it, this in multiple ways uh, to get into the heads, literally, and through the eardrums of the target listener. Yeah, that that's so perfect. Um <laughs> I just, I think at first I need a t-shirt. Health is horizontal. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> give you full credit. Uh, but I, um, um, I, I love what you mentioned too, in terms of getting it out into the community and getting it out to caregivers. So for, for, for speaking for myself, and I know Mike and I have had this conversation, some of the most rewarding work we do is with our survivor groups. And, and during the pandemic, we, we started a program called The Next Step Forward. And as we've kind of emerged over the last few years in doing this, we've actually become guests in different podcast in different survivor community support groups. And what you mentioned is 
so important that this digital tool could be part of that whole experience because folks might come into that survivor group brand new and want to kind of have a one on one understanding or have the ability to digest some of this material of their own time, or they may be in that group for three or four years and they're looking for another way to share their experience through the lens that they might not be able to drive themselves. I mean, you, you mentioned, if we just go back quickly to that Alzheimer's uh, uh, episode that I just consumed last night, that was, that hit home for me because I've, personal connection my my grand we lost my grandmother to the, to alzheimer's and just when what uh, the gentleman's name who 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 you mentioned or was on the episode how he explained how um what that looked like through his own experience and just like trying to identify a neighbor and the little cues and just the way you broke that down to be mm-hmm. able to have someone understand you know i looked for i i might not be able to recognize that person's face, but I still recognize my neighbor by the dog that they're walking. So I put those two together and can have that still have that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited um, about uh, bringing a new way to present our material and a new, uh, you know, to, 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 to work together on this stroke project, because one thing we've, we've, um, you know, the, the, the term we often use, the thing that's common about is there's no two strokes are the same so everyone's strokes experience and survivor experience is uniquely different but those experiences that come across through as many channels as possible can help that person in their journey so um I, I'm I'm very excited and and I'm also excited to to uh, learn more about TikTok. That's great that you guys are doing that because I've been asking my kids for a while to help me understand and how to get it out there. So I'm going to be following your lead, Dan. My oldest is mortified, uh, <laughs> so we're still trying to figure that out. But it's a it's a powerful platform, um, and and we need to go where the people are. You need to, and, and this is going to be a pull. Uh, this is not going to be a push. We're not going to, you know pushing people to consume this. This is going to be when people are looking for information, we want to be uh, the top results. When I was looking for diabetes information, top three results were JDRF, NHS website, and um, WebMD. And I spent a lot of time going deep into their uh, their websites, trying to find all the links, afraid that I was missing something, trying to consume as much as I could, sitting on the sofa with my laptop, reading, reading, reading. Eventually, you have to get up. You can't, I mean, there's a limit to how many hours you can spend there. That's when I turned to podcasts. And I couldn't find one that that still gave me the sort of introductory information that I was able to get on a WebMD or a JDRF website. And I needed to be able to listen to that while I was driving or exercising or cooking or whatever else I might, might be doing with my time. So, yeah, I'm excited because, you know, there's so, as you say, no two person has the same experience. And um, it's important for the individual that, that they be given the tools. But really, frankly, what I'm learning through my life and through the, this work is that it really comes down to the support on the caregivers. The, the amount of myth busting that I had to do, just to use the diabetes example, I mean, the, the questions that people had about, okay, so we, we if she goes low, we give her insulin. That's not what you're supposed to do when she goes low. <laughs> um, uh, well-intentioned uh, parents who did things like gave my daughter a bag of carrots at a birthday party um, because they they knew that she'd been diagnosed and they thought, well, she's not allowed to eat sugar, so we'll bring her carrots. Touching sentiment, misdirected, and and 
hard for an 11 year old to 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 have um at a birthday party with all of her peers and a big huge birthday cake to appear and then a bag of carrots um so the the uh, the support that needs to come from around and outside of the information you know nobody spent as much time with the clinicians as me and my ex-wife did and my my daughter learning about this and then we need to then give all that information to the parents at the children's school and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and the uh all the other support team around that to have them be able to understand what we're dealing with. And I think the same thing applies for stroke. And, you know, there's there's stroke that happens in your 60s, 70s, 80s. So we're learning this also on the Parkinson's podcast we're creating, but it affects you entirely differently, as I've learned about from some of what you guys have created when you're di- when you have a stroke in your 20s, 30s, 40s. It's an entirely different experience. And I, I've heard you, David, talk about some of that in terms of the, 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 the resources that were given to you, um, I think you were in your thirties, right? And, and then, you know, told about support groups of people in their sixties and seventies. Oh my God. It's like getting you a bag of carrots at a birthday party. Right. So true. All right. Well, we're, we're going to wind down to the end here. Um, I have two more questions for you and, All right. and we're, um, we're hoping to kind of ride your tailwinds, Dan, but bring us on a journey of where do you see, you know, this world of podcasting and mission-based media going over the next five years or so? Okay. Well, I'll tell you where uh, it's not going. It's not going away. Um, the When the pandemic started, uh, we had a, a huge knee-jerk response from our industry, from the health industry, healthcare industry, because suddenly all their typical pathways for being able to communicate their message were disrupted. They couldn't record videos because they couldn't get into the same room with people. They couldn't go to conferences and do product launches, and they couldn't go to events. They couldn't even get into hospitals or doctors' practices to be able to talk to them about their drug or product or uh, anything like that. Um, so it, it completely upended their 2020 strategy. So we saw a lot of knee-jerk reaction of, oh, my God, what can we do? Oh, I know what we can do. We can take that podcast idea we've been noodling for years and we can actually innovate that. Look, I'm grateful in all the things I've been able to do in digital health and health innovation and now with podcasting to be able to be called up off the bench and get some playing time. Um, but what is, what is going to, uh, what's going to happen going forward is this game is going to continue to stay with these players on the field. Uh, podcasting is now becoming a part of the communication strategy. What was seen as a tangent, maybe sort of like a TikTok or something like that. That was something well, we got to figure that out later with more people and more money. They're now realizing, actually, we can bring this into the fold with our overall communication strategy, our overall professional education strategy, our corporate social responsibility, our patient education. How do we bring this audio first content and integrate this into our, our pathway as opposed to thinking it's something separate that we have to have something separate once a week and, and do and go through all the approvals to get that stuff out there. So this is not going to go away. Um, where do I think this is going? I'll tell you, I've been doing a lot of work over the past few years to try to remove any self-limiting beliefs. And um, what I can tell you is that this is, uh, I feel like we're strapped onto a, ra- a rocket ship and um, and that we're, that our organization specifically and the people that that are on the team are going to have a a great ride here being able to make a real impact but i think broadly across health and and uh, society i think podcasts are going to continue to grow in popularity but they won't look or sound the same that they did from the beginning the technology is going to change i don't want to geek out on you but the traditional rss feed and the way that apple sort of set this up using the blogging infrastructure that existed in the 90s and adapting that to podcasts that's probably going to evolve into more uh um, uh, collaborative ways of sharing. What we're doing right now is we're recording a podcast and it'll be consumed by people. There's not a real great opportunity for them to feed back unless you have a web
website or some sort of Discord or Slack or some sort of channel. Uh, so we're going to see podcasting become a two-way medium, just like Instagram and YouTube and all these other things are, where people can comment and engage and uh, and do more interactive with the creator, be more interactive with the creators. Um, and what I hope we're going to be able to see as an organization is that we're going to be able to continue to focus on audio first, but not audio only. We want to collaborate with people who are creating videos, people who are creating books and courses and materials to, to help um, uh, advance health, whether it's N equals one or N equals 7 billion. We want to, we as an organization want to do different languages. We want to cover different care pathways in different parts of the world. Uh, we want to really serve the global community with this audio first information because you don't even need to be able to read. You don't even need to be able to be literate to be able to consume the sort of information that we're, we're sharing. Um, and I think we're up for an exciting, exciting pathway uh, as other organizations. We've seen it with Macmillan, a uh, wonderful educational resource. You know, they were one of the early early adopters into, into podcasting when they bought the um, what was it, quick and dirty tips sort of series that they do around grammar and all sorts of things. Um, we'll see some more consolidation. Spotify is buying a lot of companies out there. Um, we'll, we'll see more uh, in the in the media space uh, of integrating podcasts into their overall content strategy. And I think that that will also be something where just like when I was involved with smartphone apps, we used to make software where hospitals made decisions and told doctors and patients what they were going to use. And then suddenly people started coming in, in 2008, 9 and 10 and saying, hey, I can get a mortgage or buy a car on my phone. Why can't I have access to my medical records? Well, guess what happened? Things started to change. And I think now as people are beginning to think about why do I have to read a book? Why do I have to read a website? Why do I have to read a why do I have to spend money printing brochures that are going to sit on a desk or on a wall in a pharmacy uh, before ever, anybody ever consumes them? Why can't I get this information out? out there in a searchable way that can be consumed more easily. I think that that's just going to continue to grow and accelerate the the, the impact uh, of this audio first content. Great, great, great answer there. And um, normally we finish with our magic wand question, but I think, I think you just summed up the magic wand and nailed it. I mean, it's so. immersive, uh, the insights about um, the, the podcast, where that's going, that that's, that's fantastic. And I, and I, I look forward to, to seeing that come because we're, 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 Mike and I have been talking about how do we bring in guests after because we talk about how figuring out the technology and getting the podcast up and getting it live and getting it good quality. And then we're like, well, what maybe we could also live stream, maybe we could bring because we want to make that. So I know it's great to hear that it's going there and that's we want to bring in sort of the after pod experience mm -hmm. and, um, it's um, it's really exciting um, because I think the, you know, as a practicing clinician, what is getting missed more and more in the hurried, in the, you know, declining reimbursements and the time and the volume of patients that you need to see is the patient education piece. And to have this as part of the playbook or the pathway, whether it be for orthopedics or, or, or brain injury or Parkinson's, it, it's, um, I think you're, you're on the, you're, you're absolutely on the right path. And we're glad that we're going to play a small part in the, in, in our, uh, in our community's um, ability to, to learn more from this, from this partnership. I just wanted to chime in. It's all about people. 
you yeah. know, everything, it comes down to people uh, and trying to, to make an impact. And I'm really pleased that we connected. You mentioned Eugene and Jim earlier. G uh, Eugene is one of the two people who I credit that opened the, the, the opportunity for me to start on this path. He was uh, working at a pharmaceutical company and he said yes to me when I said, this is what I can do. This is the sort of impact I can have if I can create this podcast series around digital health. And he said, yes. The other person was Michelle Longmire, who I'd met in 2013, established a relationship with, uh, you know, admiring the, some of the work that she was doing with Google Glass and uh, an early app that she'd made for dermatology and seeing her journey that led to Medible um, and, and her success that she's having there. Um, so she was this, the other person who said yes to me very early and said, yes, uh, we, we think that this podcast should exist on digital health today. Um, and, and that's what opened up this door. So I really, uh, people that are listening to this, get in touch with me. Please let me know if there's something that we can do to collaborate because I really uh, believe that this is a great way to, to connect with people. Hopefully some of what I've said has resonated with you. And if there's anything that you think we could do to collaborate and do more good uh, and, and have a bigger impact, I'm, I'm open to ideas. That's brilliant, Dan. Um, you know, it's, it's really unique what you're doing and unique what you started on a mission years ago to, to deliver and even, you know, what you have today. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just the foundation, but yeah, we're excited to uh, be a part of this journey and hopefully be on that rocket ship with you to take it off here shortly. So I'm excited um, too. Thank you. guys. <laughs> thank you. It's been a pleasure here, Dan. We'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, enjoy the hot long summer there in London. Kent, Kent, like it's a beautiful area down there. It's the Garden of England. It's the Garden of England. Garden of Actually, England. yeah, my my, uh, I've traced my father's side of the com of uh, the family back to Kent back in early eighteen hundreds. So, uh, one of my great 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 grandfathers was a shipwright working in Chatham, England, uh, Chatham, Kent, England, in the early eighteen hundreds, and moved to Philadelphia to begin building there. So he built ships. And I try to build bridges uh, through through podcasts and connections like this. So uh, really appreciate you guys being a part of the journey. I love what you're doing. Keep up the great work. And thanks for having me on. Thank you, thanks, Dan. Man. And you didn't didn't uh, Mike started by saying the uh, he gave you the title of the OG of of, of podcasting in the space and and didn't hear this going on, but right right down to the mic check at the beginning before we start recording, Dan knew right away <laughs> that my mic was not on. So something as simple as uh, flipping the mute button off. So Dan, this has been a pleasure. Um, and uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise today and your passion for what you do. So um, look for more um, as we continue to grow this partnership, but I, I, I really thank you for um, coming on our show today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Stroke Podcast. Be sure to tune in each week for more knowledge on stroke recovery in the brain with tips, technology, and interesting stroke thriver interviews where they share their success to enable you on your own healing journey. Make sure to hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. Mike and I will love to ask you to rate and review our show to enable us to grow our audience. Please check the show notes to follow us 
on social so you can connect and reach out to find more about advertising with us or becoming a guest on our show. Until next time, stay well, keep the faith, and keep moving forward.